0: You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas.
1: What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. Some exciting news, we have launched our budgeting course where I will sit down with you and walk you through our custom budget. The link will be below. I'm so happy you're here for the ride. And now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by Kaylin Blair. Kaylin launched AOK resumes and career coaching to help recent graduates, burned-out millennials, and career changers to identify and communicate their strengths and professional values in order to find jobs that were in alignment with those values. She left her full-time job in July of 2021 and has put her heart and soul into her business, to not only encourage folks to establish a healthy work-life balance, but also to lead by example. Hey, Kaylin, how are you today?
0: Hi, good, things. How are you?
1: Doing well. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Um, I actually came across a couple of your TikToks and Reels, just really getting into the weeds of the logistics you know, of how you can really not only find a good career that gives you purpose, but also do it in a way that kind of saves you some energy, because we all know whether you're pivoting, whether you're trying to sustain a role that you maybe don't love, it can be very lonely and difficult. So I really loved your content because I thought, you know, my whole platform is about getting unstuck. And I thought, wow, what a great way to continue that with talking about career. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your story? Like, I love hearing people's origin stories because it usually is this kind of like windy road that leads them here. What called you to help grads, millennials and career changers to achieve their dreams?
0: Yeah, definitely. So it absolutely was a windy road that led me here. The greatest piece of career advice that I ever received as a student is that career paths are not linear. And I have most definitely embodied that throughout my career so far. So My academic training and background is in Spanish. I've been studying Spanish language, culture, linguistics for 14 years. And through my university experience, while that was my major, I also worked in work-study offices on campus for a little extra cash, part of financial aid. But these jobs were always in my campus career center, which I thought was advantageous. I would surround myself with the resources that I knew would help me post-grad. So that's where I really was introduced to career coaching, to resume writing. That's where I gained some of those skills. And then continue to level up those skills when working in a career center as an undergraduate student, just as an office assistant, versus as a graduate assistant throughout my graduate degree program, where I began working one-on-one with students on job search strategies, how to apply to international opportunities, how to decide if grad school is right for you, and really communicating and identifying our strengths and weaknesses in this professional capacity. And I always felt very in the zone, very in flow, very aligned with who I am. And that's something that came naturally. And that's important to pay attention to. So I graduated with my master's at the start of the pandemic, May of 2020. And I decided, you know, I'm going to take a chance and launch this business. It's something that I would thought about doing for a while. I've helped family and friends with resumes for the last eight years and thought, Maybe I can have a little bit more financial freedom and gain some recognition by doing this professionally. So I combined my love of resume writing, which is something that people always need help with, with career coaching and diving into some of those more crucial conversations about what direction to go in and how to figure that out, which is always a work in progress, something I'm always reflecting on too, and something that doesn't really have one final destination. But also infusing my love of Spanish into it, being able to offer these services completely in Spanish to support bilingual populations and really advocate for bilingualism in the workplace as a strength as well.
1: That's amazing. And that kind of take a windy road, right? You started off with just, I think, being in that system and right knowing that you had to, you know, write these resumes, but also recognizing that coming out and starting a business in 2020, right? There's so many things I'm sure that you experienced, and I want to touch on that in a moment. But you know, my experience with my career has been very nonlinear. I I jumped into a startup really young and found success there. I hear a lot of career advice and I never really hear kind of what it actually takes to get a job because, you know, a resume is great, kind of gets you in the door, but like, what are some of those things that you've noticed about? And I want to hear a little bit about AOK Resumes, which is your business, but like, what kind of differentiates you? Like, how do you level set with your clients? Like, what are some of those non-changibles that maybe school didn't teach you or you're not taught? Like, can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I deeply believe that the school system does not prepare us to market ourselves, to talk positively about ourselves. If we do, we're told we're bragging and we need to tone it down and we feel we take up too much space so we make ourselves small. And it becomes very difficult to break out of that conditioning to really speak to our strengths, to speak to our accomplishments, and to prove to a company that if you've accomplished X, Y, and Z previously, that you know you can accomplish it with them as well and can bring that value and contribute to their success too. It's being able to really prove that not only do you have these transferable skills, but that they directly apply to the company at hand. That is a piece of the resume. And as you said, a resume is the foot in the door. I always say that your resume is the ticket to the interview, but not to the job itself. So by communicating that first on paper is a great start. But then you really have to be able to communicate it confidently, charismatically, authentically, in an interview setting, in networking opportunities before you even get to an interview so that you can make that lasting impression. Because at the end of the day, we are people, we are humans and humans are drawn to storytelling. I mean, here we are in this podcast as a great example of that, right? We need to be able to tell our story and to own our story and to know that we will be okay in the next chapter of it, wherever we end up. There's been lots of different side quests on my career journey as I like to call them like that non-linear career pathway again I spent a year teaching middle and high school Spanish without a teaching credential I've worked in college admissions I've worked as an academic advisor kind of different pockets of education and I think it's really frustrating when somebody comes into a resume writing situation or to an interview and doesn't recognize how many transferable skills that they have so that would really be the first step to give ourselves credit for all of the work that we've done whether that is working in a classroom and knowing how to translate that experience or a lot of people think they don't have any relevant experience because they've worked at Starbucks or Walmart or a restaurant. But those are all experiences that build communication, that build problem solving, that build really learning how to work with people in different settings, often in stressful settings. And I think that being able to speak to our strengths starts with being able to recognize how far we've come, the skills that we have developed, and then we can learn to communicate them effectively.
1: Absolutely. And that's something that I learned really early on. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was a lawyer, so I saw people overachieve my whole life. And I noticed kind of a common strain there, though. and I really, I think, get this from my dad, you know, he, again, talk about storytelling. That's something that I really honed in on with interviews is they know I have the knowledge. They have my resume. Like they've read my resume. The big intangibles where I always found success were a couple of ways. One was, letting them know that whoever my manager is, my first priority aside from doing the job is making them look good and getting them a ticket to a promotion. And a lot of managers were shocked by that answer because, right, it shows some selflessness. And then two, right, to your point, I usually would turn the interview into just like a conversation. So I would kind of turn it back on the interviewee and start asking them questions. Like sometimes I felt like I took over the interview but for the better, so you launched AOK Resumes. I want to hear about that, but I also want to hear kind of how you take your clients to the next level. You mentioned some really great points, which is, right, your resume You know, is the ticket to the interview, but it's not a ticket to the job, which I think a lot of people misunderstand. But tell us a little bit more about your business and also tell us about how you're servicing and helping your clients more.
0: Yes, Definitely. So I launched AOK resumes Resumes uh, right at the start of the pandemic, which was aligned with the time of my graduation and also the start of the Great Resignation, which I know we'll touch on more in a bit. But I could see how much was shifting in the professional world given the global situation. I was working remotely for a year with the university that I was working for full-time at the time. And worked remotely for a year, and then all of a sudden was required to return in person, no questions asked. And that was really when I realized that the university's ideals and values and ideal workplace are no longer aligned with my own, and that mine had changed since the time that I was hired. I believe we don't often give ourselves grace when our ideas and visions and values shift. And they will as we evolve and as we grow and when they no longer are aligned with the place that we work at, it is time to leave. So I realized I had to take my own advice and leave that opportunity. And that's really when I began to put my heart and soul into AOK resumes and career coaching and began running it full-time. That really started with the resumes. Like I said, that was a very tangible skill that I had that people always needed help with. That was my foot in the door of my business. And since then, I've been able to expand to offer more coaching. The more insight that I've gained, the more people that I've met and been able to grow in my network too, working with a business coach and so on. So through career coaching, I offer a variety of different themed coaching, which includes job search strategies, knowing how and where to look for the jobs that are worth your time to apply for so that you don't waste your time, like you said, working smarter, not harder, Waste your time applying to people who aren't even going to respond to you to let you know you haven't got the job, let alone get an interview invitation. I also focus on working with people to help them identify their strengths and their values. If they have changed, what have they changed to? What do they look like now? And how can we start to look for companies and roles within companies that are going to be aligned with those values? Because my biggest fear for my clients is that if they don't take the time to reflect and consider what they really Want and need out of a professional situation so that they can have a job that supports them in living their brightest life, then they're just going to end up at another opportunity where they feel just as burnt out as they do right now. That is not the goal. That will just be another situation of being stuck and we'll be right back from square one. The goal is to really move forward confidently in taking aligned action with what we want and what we need out of this wild and wonderful life that we have. So that's really where my heart is in in my business and the work that I do. And I think that I'm very effective in doing it with those who are fresh out of college because those are shoes that I've walked in of millennials who have been overachievers their entire lives and have come into these corporate roles and then realize like, what am I doing? This isn't actually aligned with who I am. I might not know who I am because I've spent my entire life people pleasing to get this external validation from the systems that we're in. That could be a bit of a projection because that is also my experience, but I've connected with others who share a similar experience, as well as anybody who wants to change careers, right? You realize you're not happy where you are. The question is, what's next? And half the time, having somebody to verbally process that with, having somebody with some level of knowledge about the current job market and about how to take advantage of it, both the tangibles and the non-tangibles, it's really what you need to just take that next right first step. You don't have to have the whole thing planned out. You don't have to have that step-by-step plan in front of you. It can be helpful, but those steps will probably change in the nonlinear fashion of this world along the way.
1: Absolutely. And you've mentioned so many amazing things. And I kind of want to take a step back and kind of review some of them. You know, the first one that came to mind as you were talking, because this was something that I always struggled with, which was, you know, you can't go to a therapist and talk about your career and like have them strategize with you, right? Like they're there to hear you and get your mental space right. And so that's where I think I always have to explain to new clients and even people that don't really get what you and I do from like a coaching perspective. And you nailed it, right? It's like creating that space so that people can reconsider and bring awareness to where they stand today so that they can take that aligned action tomorrow. And that is pivotal and it's key. And you mentioned some things that I know you run into with your clients that even I run into with just myself and personally, which is giving yourself grace. I know our listeners, we've heard that over and over again from so many guests and taking your own advice with your experience with your clients, and I know you mentioned like burned out millennials and recent grads, like the world is so big and it's so overwhelming, like what are some of the things you do in some of your first sessions to really help your clients kind of settle in, you know, past you mentioned, right? Like trying to understand where they stand today. Like what are some of your tactics that you do to start to help people become more hopeful and start to be open to taking their own advice? Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit?
0: Definitely, that's a great question. And the two main pieces that I incorporate into my coaching sessions are number one, to celebrate. What have my clients done well? What are they proud of? What are these accomplishments? Because again, we don't know how to talk about them and we usually downplay them and don't give ourselves the credit that we deserve. So my first question is, is what are we proud of, of the last year, of the last few years, especially given how difficult the last few years have been on a collective level? So that's where we start, right? Because I want them to recognize that they are actually capable of some pretty cool things. Then I'll shift gears and start to ask, okay, what is the ideal outcome? If you could have any opportunity... I kind of struggle with the idea of a dream job because I don't know if people necessarily dream of doing a job, but they dream of a job that's going to really use their strengths and have them in a state of flow that's supporting the life that they want to live. And I think that if we had a job that was in alignment with who we are and what we value, then we wouldn't need the idea of work-life balance. You wouldn't need life to balance out your work. It would all just really flow together in harmony going forward. Maybe work-life boundaries are still valid. So I ask my clients, what is the ideal outcome? Do you want a remote job? Are you looking for something with more money? Are you looking for something with more flexibility? And those are very open-ended questions, right? I'm not specifically asking, okay, so do you want to be a paralegal? Do you want to work in construction management? I think that those job titles are honestly one of the last pieces of the conversation because first we have to know what burns you out, what lights your fire, see what both sides of those are, And then we can start to evaluate some opportunities in alignment with how much money you want to make and how much flexibility and remote work you may want to then find opportunities that are alignment with that instead of changing who you are and what you need to fit the opportunity.
1: I love that. I really want to touch on the goal setting because I think that's huge. And I love that you, before I get to that, like I love that you talk about celebrating because that's something I still struggle with. I launched a business six months ago. Like I've done so many things in the last couple of years, and I've maybe celebrated for 30 minutes going out to get a drink or something like that. But I spend so much time dwelling on what's not going right or what I can improve or what needs to happen next that that is so important. And the second thing you mentioned, which is the ideal outcome, that is so important to getting out of burnout, to getting out of your own situation and thinking forward. So thank you so much for that. But I did want to talk about that tiered approach, what you talked about. Like, what do you want today? Like, when I was 22, right, I wanted a better salary. I just wanted to, honestly, I just wanted a job. Let's just start there. Like, when I graduated, I just wanted a job. I wanted to get in. I wanted to learn what I didn't like. I got into the job and realized, right, $40,000 wasn't a lot of money. And so all of a sudden, it became a money game. So I said, okay, well, now I'm going to start aggressively job hopping. Like I came to this realization that it was costing me more money to stay at Nike where I was working than to go look for other opportunities. So then it became, okay, let's job hop. Let's figure out what works. Let's build our salary in the meantime. Now where it sits today is I make employers come to my negotiation table. I have a conversation that goes beyond work, to your point, where I talk about what my flow of life is, what my goals are, and I don't walk away from the conversation feeling nervous or I need this. I walk away with either, A, I really like the people I just talked to and I could see myself becoming close to them and working closely with them, or I walk away with a clear sense of like, this isn't for me, maybe I'll refer a friend over to you, maybe it'll be for them, so... How do you walk people through that? Because what I just described in those three different tiers, like, those are three completely different people. So, like, how do you really get into the mind of your client and understand, like, I know where you are today and I want to help guide you to where you want to be? Do you just listen? Like, how do you go about that process?
0: That's a great question. And... Going back to what you said earlier too about really turning the interview around on the company is huge because that's you taking your power back in a situation where you might feel vulnerable and nervous. You are interviewing them to see if they're going to be a good fit for you just as much as they are interviewing you to see if you are a good fit for them. So that mindset shift is huge. And I think that that is a very positive generational shift in the workplace that is giving me a lot of hope, to be honest. So I wanted to start there. In terms of getting into the mind of my clients, I am very empathetic, compassionate, and I really bring my listening skills to the table to make sure they feel they have a safe space to voice whatever their concerns are. Of course, the anxiety of finding a job immediately after graduation is immense. And I remember being at that tier too. You know, I got an offer. I think I might have mentioned, oh, is there room for salary negotiation? And no, absolutely not. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'll take this $40,000 a year job and some benefits, and I'll be a very happy camper. And I think at the time, you know, for the one year that I was a teacher, that was fine. And then it started to shift. I started to think, I want to move. I want to relocate. My next job, I'm going to need more money to live in a city. How can we level up from here? And I still really struggled with the piece of self-advocacy to speak up for myself to, one, recognize my value, two, communicate my value, and three, ensure that I'm getting paid what I deserve. And again, that's a shift that I'm seeing a lot. The majority of my coaching calls over the last month actually have been focused on salary negotiation or counter offers. So being able to recognize the value we bring to the table, put a number on it, and then add tax.
1: So you mentioned salary negotiation. That's something that's huge. And I get a lot of questions about that. Like, how do I synthesize my skills to ask for this dollar value? You know, I'm aggressive with the salary negotiations. I tend to one and a half times my current salary ask and be able to articulate that. But I realize that doesn't come naturally to people. Like, what's your strategy for salary negotiation? Like, do you have different approaches for different people? Or have you found like a one-size-fits-all just to get people to the next level? Like, I'm super curious about your take on this.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I have a one-size-fits-all place to start. And then it will get more tailored and specific from there based on the industry, based on the skills that we're talking about, based on how much to ask for and how to approach the conversation. But as a starting point, I would say step one is to do your research. And I use Glassdoor, I use Payscale and Salary.com. Those are three excellent salary negotiation tools so that you can look up how much somebody with your title or your potential title is making with your same level of experience in your geographic area. Because All of those factors will change based on how long have you been doing what you're doing. Are you working in LA where there's a higher cost of living, so probably a higher pay versus New Mexico where there's a low cost of living and probably a lower pay to go with it? What does that geographic variance look like? That will give you a number to look at. You can compare that to what you're currently making, compare that to what you you want to be making and develop your ask around that number. You can also do it by industry. So it'll be job title specific. I worked with somebody recently who was a director of education within their organization, but their organization was a nonprofit versus a university. So that was a different component of pay scale to look at too to understand really what to ask for and what will be granted. I agree that you should ask for more than you think they will give you. Always highball that number because best case scenario they'll give it to you and you'll get more money than you literally ever thought that you could. And that is so worth celebrating, worth more than just one drink once a whenever. And the worst case scenario is they'll give you less, but it'll still be more than what you're making right now. There's also additional pieces to salary negotiation that people forget about. Maybe the company is not really willing to budge on how much money, or they'll only give you maybe five to 10 grand more than the initial offer compared to the 30 grand more that you asked for then you can get creative. Negotiate pay time off. Negotiate retirement contributions negotiate hybrid versus remote work versus coming into the office. These are all different areas of negotiation that we fail to recognize, fail to ask for. And that's something that a lot of the times companies are willing to negotiate more so than salary, and they will still give you a little bit more support that you need to live your brightest life. Also think about sign-on bonuses or relocation expense bonuses, things like that. If the company really wants you there, they'll find a way to make it happen. If they don't, That's a question for you to ask yourself. Maybe that's not a company you want to work for anyway. And I know that that can be difficult to come to that conclusion if you're in a spot where you feel you really need the money, you really need the job, you're not in a place where you can negotiate. And I understand that. I've been in that position as well. And when that is the case, I turn to what I call a band-aid job, a short-term job where you can kind of work and function and have the money that you need to survive in this world without putting too much thought, heart, or energy into it so you can save that thought, heart, and energy for the job that you deserve so that you can get paid what you deserve, so that you can know your worth and stand by it. Another key practice within this is to create an evidence bank, so a literal list, whether it's a Google Doc or a Post-it note, whatever that looks like for you, of the value that you bring to a company so that that when the negotiation conversation starts, you don't fall flat, you don't second-guess yourself, You don't try to make yourself small, which is very easy to do and something that I have done many a time in my career while still learning to build my confidence and to believe in myself, which is a long process. And that looks different for everyone. But by building that evidence bank by knowing, truly knowing and being rooted in the knowledge of the value that you bring to a company is only going to make them see it
1: further. Oh my gosh, you're a drop at knowledge bombs. And I absolutely love this. And something you said that took me Probably, I'm 28 now. So it probably took me around 24 when I really saw my value at a startup, when I was seeing the money rake in and I was seeing my actual work translate into ROI for the business. The thing you said that resonated the most just now was if the company really wants you there, they will figure out a way to get you there. And I know that this is different for everyone, but I just want to really highlight that because whether you're at that entry point in your career and you're just trying to get in the door like you mentioned, I love the concept of a band-aid job. I think that is genius. I absolutely love that. Or you're someone like my level where you're an executive and you're trying to move forward. For the executives out there, just a quick knowledge bomb on you like Equity is on the table. I don't hear enough people talk about that either when you get to that advanced stage. We'll save that for a later episode. But I just wanted to do a drive-by on that. Like, that's my next tier. That's where I'm at now. I don't even go to the table today if there's no equity on the table. And it's not necessarily even just like a startup thing. I've learned that, again, to your point, Caitlin, like... If they want you there, they will do whatever they need to do to get you there. And I love the Excel sheet that you've mentioned because that's where it started for me. I used an Excel sheet to list all my wins and the dollar value assessed with those wins. That was something that I learned at Nike. I went into an interview. They called me too green because I didn't have any dollar values on my resume. And that's a tip that I'll give out there is have dollar value assessments to your resume. But two, it helped build that confidence so that when it came around to asking for and and going through salary negotiations. I had that list of Excel wins there. So all great points. I absolutely love that. I want to give you a chance to respond in case there was something I said that you wanted to respond to.
0: Yeah, definitely. I really agree with what you said of putting dollar values on your resume. Quantify as much as you can. That way you are proving the results that you're claiming you have, and they can't dispute that. It is a fact. It is a number. It is measurable, and that's going to really help strengthen your argument going into another company, going into a new role.
1: So I want to kind of take a step back because if I'm listening to this, there's a lot of information coming, and I might be in that place where I just like need some easy ways other than what we've discussed already, but just like some tangible, easy ways to improve your network and opportunities because your network is your net worth. So where do you start there? Because I know there's a lot of people that are introverted. They don't really like going out networking. There's folks like me that I'm like, throw me in a room. I'll network with anyone. Like, What are some tips there to increase your network? Because that is really, really important and something I wanted to touch on.
0: Yeah, that's a great question, especially given some of the challenges with networking in person over the last few years. I know that networking events were moved virtually. That really changes the tone and the nature and the strategy that you would go about it with. I've been both the very shy person in a room at 18, 19, not knowing how to start this conversation, and also the person who's a social butterfly talking to everybody, never knowing what you can learn from someone. And I think that regardless if you're in a networking event, in a networking room, in your job, in your office, if you see somebody who's doing what you want to be doing, you have to learn from them. And as I mentioned before, as humans, we are storytellers. People like to talk about how they got to where they are. Again, here we are in this podcast doing the same thing. So just by initiating that conversation, by asking somebody, how did you get to where you are? Like, What advice do you have for a young professional who's in a similar position? What things have been really game changers for you in your journey? It is a very natural conversation compared to if you go up to someone and just ask for a job. It's like going up to somebody and asking for fifty dollars to $100,000, they're going to look at you like you have three heads. And that's not the way to go about it. And of course, they do say the more you know, the more opportunities you have. And that's true. But you can't just ask someone for a job. You really have to cultivate that relationship in a natural way, show interest in what they're doing, show that that's what you want to be doing, and trust that the relationship will continue to grow from there. Another networking strategy that I really use, honestly, is LinkedIn. My LinkedIn network has grown for me personally, like as Kaylin it's doubled in the last two years since starting my business. I also have a page on LinkedIn for AOK resumes where I share job postings as I see them and relevant opportunities. Because the way that the LinkedIn algorithm works, both as a job board and as a social media website, is really the key connection in your network and people who are directly connected with you on LinkedIn, people who are connected with your connections, and people who are connected to the people who are connected to, to your connections. You can see how it ripples out from there. And even if there's interactions between some of those connections of connections who you've never seen, somehow they show up on your newsfeed. And they will be on your newsfeed even more if the keywords in your profile, in your LinkedIn profile, are similar to the keywords in your connections profile, similar to the keywords in the jobs that you want. They'll start coming to you. And as an example of that, I teach online college Spanish classes kind of on the side. That's where my academic experience in Spanish has led me. I'm always looking for more classes to teach. I really love teaching. And I found an opportunity to teach a class for students who are studying abroad and enrolled in an internship. I'm essentially career coaching through this class which I found because a connection of a connection posted about it on LinkedIn. And then I was able to connect with them to ask opportunities, ask for more information about the job, conduct an informational interview, which is such a valuable networking tool. It is the time and the place to ask all of your networking questions to make that initial connection and then to see what opportunities can come from it. Like I said, chances are they're not going to give you a job right off the bat. You shouldn't ask for one right off the bat, but that will put your name at the forefront of their mind When an opportunity does come along so they can notify you to apply so you can be a familiar name already once you enter the application process and thus increase your chances of getting an interview.
1: Absolutely. I want to just highlight that and circle it because that's where I start with my clients that come to me who feel stuck in their career. I always go, send me your LinkedIn. Like, What are you doing on there? So absolutely 100% there. What I wanted to talk about is that ability to storytell because I'll take you back to when I was 22 at Nike with my career map. So Nike makes you do something. They make you create a custom career map. They don't give you any ramifications, but they say, if you're going to network here at Nike, you have to have a way to tell a story. So I created this one pager and had a track on it. I was a D1 athlete, so that was important to me. And it showed how I got my momentum, right, my history. It showed my skills. It showed all these different things in a really creative way. And I would take these and I would have these one-on-ones. I'd have like three to 20 a week, it just depended on the week. And I would, to your point, I wouldn't say, hey, I'm looking for a job. I would say, hey, i have taken notice of you. I've seen some of your work. I've looked on LinkedIn, wink, wink. You can't see me winking right now, but tell me about just like how you got here. And we would have this really great conversation. I would ask them questions along the way about them, about the struggles, about what they've learned. And we would get to like this point in the conversation where they would go, okay, like, what's up? Like, how can I help you? The first thing I would always say is, One, I really love the job you're doing and I'm trying to find my foot in the door. So if you know of any opportunities, please keep me in mind. But two, do you have anyone else that I could talk with outside of yourself that maybe is in the same vein as what you're doing here at Nike too? And if not, even at another company. And so talking to your Excel skills, I still have an Excel sheet. I have about 350 people on that Excel sheet. So it shows you how much networking I did in that time period. I still do networking, not on that official capacity anymore, but... I just really wanted to tell the audience here, like how much you're saying is so true and has gotten me to where I am today is doing the simple things. And Actually, the guy who ended up hiring me and making me a part of that startup that I got equity in told me, he said, you know, your curiosity, not only about me, but about I'm in big data. So I do like natural language processing and things like that. But he's like, your curiosity was actually the reason I hired you. He's like, I had a ton of people who are MBAs who didn't seem very curious in me or what I was doing. They just were really asking me for a job. I chose you over them. So if that doesn't give you the proof is in the pudding to the folks listening, I just wanted to really circle and bold that because it's super important. I wanted to kind of pivot because we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the great resignation. And I hear a lot of people like more than you would think come to me and say, you know, well, the great resignation is going on. I'm just going to kind of wait it out a little bit and then try to, you know, figure out what I want to do after that. And, What I would have been telling people is like the great resignation is the new norm. And we're also starting to enter into a recession. So like, what's your take on the great resignation now? Like it's kind of morphed into this weird thing where like you have some companies who are really going with the work from home model and they're really supporting workers. And you have some companies that are just running the same way they've always run. So like, what have you seen out there? Like, how do your clients feel? How do you feel? I'm really curious to hear your take on this.
0: Yeah, definitely. So as someone who was part of the Great Resignation, right, I quit my full-time job in July 2021 because I could no longer continue to work remotely primarily. Also because a raise was often being dangled in front of my face and was never going to come into fruition. So I was never going to get paid what I deserved in that role. So I had to leave. I think that the Great Resignation was overall a great realization collectively, especially given the global situation at the time, the pandemic, and how people really were reflecting and understanding their values and seeing how those values might have shifted with this kind of watershed historic event, right? I think that that was the realization of my work is not aligned with who I am. Who I am may have changed. My work may have changed since I started working here. There's some kind of misalignment and I got to go. Or also the realization of this world is getting expensive. I am not getting paid what I deserve. I will never get this kind of money here. I've run out of room for growth here. There are many reasons to leave an opportunity. And I think that the way the companies navigated the pandemic says a lot about them and their capacity to handle change and in turn to handle you and to support you throughout that change. And my hot take is that companies who are insisting on going back to a full-time office model you have to commute and come into the office every day. I think it's archaic. I don't find it useful. I don't think that's the direction that we are going in, especially with millennials and Gen Z coming into the next real big population of the workforce. More than 50% of today's workforce are millennials. And we have been trained as a generation to work smarter, not harder, to really strategize and to understand when there's a better way of doing things. We have been presented with this global situation that has proven to us that there's a different way of doing things why would we go back? Why wouldn't we keep moving forward? And I feel as though the people who really, really want that in-person nine to five in the office structure are often of an older generation who are not given the leadership training or tools to truly manage a team of individuals without micromanaging them. That's my hot take.
1: (laughs) Mic drop. I love that answer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I'm a huge advocate for remote work, a hybrid model, if you want to have that kind of a sense of a work community. But I think the idea of work as a family is a, frankly psychotic. It's a just a manipulative tactic to make you prioritize work over your family. And if we've learned anything in the last two years, it's that life is precious and your family is important and you should have control over who you spend your time with. And if remote work gives you more flexibility to have a better work-life balance to really curate the life that you deserve, then why would we not do it? Your original question was about the Great Resignation. So coming back to that, I think that right now, a lot of companies see it less as a great resignation and more as a great restructuring, understanding what is the best way to move forward, how we, can we create new systems that's going to support employees and give them what they deserve. I think that it is, it's is—it's an employee's market out there. We are demanding what we deserve for the first time, and they really don't know what to do with us. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And I do believe that there is a lot of positive change going forward. But if anybody's kind of waiting to see if the great resignation, nation will kind of pan out, if that will change job search prospects? I really don't think so. I think that the term will fade away as many trends do. But I think that the understanding and realizations that are behind it of what do we want? What do we need? How do we self-advocate for it? How do we get it? How do we build the life we know we want? I think that's here to stay. I sure hope that it is.
1: Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that answer. And I will leave that at that. And I have to be on brand here, You know, shifting to you You're super ambitious, highly motivated. You're brilliant. Congratulations on starting a business and sticking with it through the pandemic. I mean, wow. Like, that's amazing. So I have to ask you, I know it's not always linear. I know things aren't always easy. So when you're feeling stuck, like, what do you do to get yourself going again? You know, I always ask this of all my guests.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a moment to be vulnerable for a moment if I do dare so and say that my career path really took a significant turn when I was working in higher education. I was sexually assaulted by my supervisor, and I felt so painfully stuck. That is the greatest feeling of stuck I have ever felt in my life. I was drowning in the trauma. I was drowning in taking on the work of my supervisor, as well as my own responsibilities while he was on administrative leave during a lengthy Title IX investigation, which turned into a legal investigation, and I really was paralyzed. And I know that that is an extreme example, but I know that many people do feel paralyzed in the job that they are in. They don't know how to leave. They don't know what they will do next. And that prevents them from getting out of a very toxic situation. Level of toxicity may vary. Everyone experiences trauma differently. Our collective trauma, our individual trauma, and how that workplace is going to impact our mental health, emotional health, physical health, they are all connected. And I think we all have a different experience with that and with what that looks like for us. But the common piece of it is that if your job, if your occupation is detrimental to any of those elements of health, it is not worth it. It is not worth your time. It is not worth your energy. There are so many more things that you could be doing with your life, even if it looks different than what you once thought that it would. And I think that that realization for me and the community that I had supporting me as I made these decisions is what helped me get unstuck. Having a supportive partner who helped me realize that it is incredibly unhealthy to have panic attacks daily because of your job helped me realize it's time to leave. Having different skills in my arsenal to realize I don't have to work in education, I can work in hospitality, I can work in customer service, gave me a lot of other job alternatives where I could take advantage of what I talked about before, a Band-Aid job. So I was able to leave my toxic situation work at a Marriott, a hotel, front desk for a few months just to remove myself from the situation that was clouding my thoughts and my actions. And by just getting out of that situation, I was able to see more clearly what my next Right step would be. Again, you don't have to have it all figured out, but you've got to figure out what that one next right step is. And that next right step probably is not the dream job, so to speak. It might not be the salary that you want, but it's going to get you out of the toxic situation so you can at least see what you're working with and begin to dream again, begin to imagine the possibilities, and most importantly, learn to believe in yourself again for whatever is ahead.
1: Oh, I absolutely love that. And thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that because you're absolutely right. I mean, that paralysis persists across, I think, this whole uh, experience that everyone's going through. So again, I really appreciate you sharing that. With all this awesome knowledge and everything we've discussed, I mean, you have me ready to go and start looking for prospects, even though I love the current role I'm actually in right now. What motivation or what do you want to leave the listeners with? Is there anything that you want to leave them with that maybe you haven't gotten to address yet?
0: I think we've covered a lot of ground, and I am incredibly grateful for this conversation and be able to dive into the different facets of you know, what makes us want to leave a job, what makes us want to find a job, because it is so much more than what you do on the day-to-day. It connects to your life. It connects to your relationships. It connects to your ability to take care of yourself. So if there's anything that I want people to know, it's that you're never stuck in a job. It is very rare, unless you work in medicine, that there is a true career emergency and that you have all the time that you you need in the world to figure it out and to take the time and to give yourself that grace and to reach out for help when you need it. That is quite literally why I'm here. And there are many others out there to support you as well your community, your mentors, teachers, and professors. They're people who you remember you more than you think that they will. And people are often, more often than not, happy to hear from you, happy to hear what you're up to, and happy to see how they can help you too. At the end of the day, we want to see you succeed. You want to see you succeed. So let's work together and make it happen.
1: Take time for yourself, show yourself grace, and do what's best for you. You guys can follow Kaylin at AOK Resumes on Instagram and visit her website, AOKResumes.com. Everything will be linked below. Kaylin, this was a rock star of an episode. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at unstucked.